How are we doing today, folks? Welcome to the Off the Record podcast, where we discuss all things sports, culture, and occasionally dabble in some heated food discussion. I'm Michael Pleasant, joined by esteemed Broadcast Education Association Award winner, Mark Gregory Feldman, taking home awards for the best radio sports feature story. Feldy, how's Friday been treating you and being an award winner now? After that introduction, Mikey Mike, I'm I'm doing great. That was uh that was nice. Yeah, I did win a BEA award for uh an audio piece I did on ASU golf and uh, how they dealt with the pandemic. So that was a cool honor I got a couple weeks ago. So I was I was doing all right, but after that int- introduction, I'm doing amazing. Yeah, we're just hoping you don't big time us, you know, because that'd be that'd be a darn shame, you know. You big time us, and now you're off the pod. You're doing all the big stuff now. What's the next stop in Mark Feldman's career? I don't know about that. I think I'm just going to be keeping it low key and just focus on graduating in uh, in seven weeks. The next step is recording this off the record pod with you. Uh, as you mentioned, it's just me and you today. No Colin Terlecki, and uh, we hope he's going to be back with us next week. But like they say, Mikey, in basketball, if we're missing a starter, we're going to have to pick it up a little bit and play a couple more minutes uh, on the floor for our team. 100%. Next minute, we got to play 40 minutes tonight if we want to win. That's how it works. No bench players coming in. It's me and you. That's it. It's a two-on-two basketball game. game. Give and go. We got to make it work today. Well, let's <laughs> jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. Let's go to Cam Newton. This morning, he signed a one-year, $14 million deal and re-signed with the New England Patriots. I was a little shocked by this news. I'm not going to lie. After last up, after last year's up and down season, I didn't expect him to re-sign, especially with the QBs that were like on the market and drafting. What, what were your thoughts about him, you know, inking a 14, uh, $14 million per year deal, one year deal with the Patriots? Yeah, when I heard that this morning, I was a little bit surprised. I didn't, didn't really think the Patriots were going to go back to Cam Newton, but Bill Belichick always has a thought. He always has something up his sleeve. And I think he knows that, the Patriots got to be better than they were last year. He must have seen enough just based off his three games before he got COVID last year. They were two and one, and he was performing really well. And I do think that COVID was a huge factor in Cam's issues last last season with his throwing and really just trying to catch up with a new offense. So I'm not I'm a little surprised, but I do see why Bill Belichick wanted to run it back for just a one year. It's not going to kill him in the salary kill him if he struggles they can let him go i also think that he believes with cam coming back an extra year post-surgery and really getting more more uh, knowledge into the patriots offense i think bill belichick believes cam is going to succeed and also maybe cam doesn't have to do too too much they're going to be getting a lot of players back after all the opt-outs that the patriots had uh last year especially on defense with patrick chung and dante hightower and on the offensive line with marcus cannon those are just three of the guys that opted out in 2020 that are coming back so i think that this team could be a playoff team if cam just does his job and really just performs at even an average or a little above average level and i think belichick uh believes that the patriots could do something this upcoming season yeah i i definitely agree with like like what a lot of you said there they're getting back three starters and just to name a few those are the three starters you named two on the defensive side, one on the offensive side of the ball, because they did have a lot of opt-outs for COVID. They also got some cap space to play with. But I was it was interesting to see Bill Pelichek give his stamp of approval on Cam Newton, because like you said last year, he didn't play too well, but pre-COVID, he was, they were 2-1, and one, and they had that game in Seattle where if Cam, they maybe drop a better play. They ran the same play three straight times. Which, I hated that play, the little, the little run just with Cam. I would have done power, a read option yeah. or something, but... Yeah, you got, and I guess the first two times they ran it, they ran like to different sides, which I get, and they got some yardage. But that fourth time, you know, with Bobby Wagner back there, that's a definitely an easy stop for Seattle. And Cam Newton's, he's great, but it's a weird that Bill Belichick, like I said, gave his stamp of approval. He must have saw enough 
in a COVID riddled year with Cam not learning maybe the playbook that he saw enough from Cam that he believes that he can run it back this year. But what does that say about their quarterback prospects? Like if Cam doesn't pan out, if they, if they have a bad year or if Cam's just averaging their seven and nine, eight and eight, who's their quarterback in the future. I'm pretty sure it's not Jared Stidham. And Absolutely I thought, no. yeah, I thought they would be all in for a quarterback this year, trade him to like a Trey Lance, a Justin Fields, even a Mac Jones. I thought that that was the route they were going to take. I was surprised that Bill Belichick invested in Cam and let's run it back another year with Cam. I think he really just trusts the idea that Cam was a Super Bowl finalist. He made the Super Bowl with the Panthers and lost the Broncos in 2015. I think he trusts that Cam was a uh, past MVP. So he was 15 and one that season. He he knows Cam can get to a peak level if he if he's healthy and if he can has the weapons around him. And I think he believes that with the guys coming back and how good he can coach that defense, that he didn't want to rookie quarterback that's just my thought on it i really think he wanted a veteran guy and if he wasn't going to get a russell wilson or a deshaun watson or one of these top guys that might get traded he didn't want one of those rookies and i think that cam must have been their next best option with that because jared stidham is it's he's got to be going soon i that's been a disgrace he's done nothing coming out of uh auburn and uh he's so he's really done nothing there and i think bill belichick notices that he's he's a smart guy that's an understatement yeah, and I think this might have been that Bill Belichick may have not had a plan B. You know, in life, you always like you always like to have a couple backup plans. And I think Cam Newton was his plan A and plan B. Like, they didn't seem like they were – obviously, quarterbacks get traded. They're not in the trade market right now. I don't know what assets they would give up. And in free agency, like you said, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, those two guys didn't get traded. They weren't – I don't know, maybe if Dak hit the free agency market, they may have tried to make a play at him. I've seen a lot of things with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to New England. I don't think you re-sign Cam if you're going to bring Jimmy back and try to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. So another thing is that he must have, he must believe that they're going to get upgraded weapons because they had probably the worst receiving core in the league last year. Unfortunately, after Julian Edelman got hurt and was out for most of the season, you know, ASU legend, <laughs> ASU legend, Nikhil Harry, and then Jacoby Myers, they just weren't getting it done. Um, Sony Michelle was hurt for a good portion last year. They were going to rookie out of Alabama, Damian Harris. So there was just a lot of interesting things from from the page perspective that i guess after gathering all the information he thinks that it's the best for the team to run it back with cam well Nikhil harry too i'm not sure you mentioned him and uh asu grad shut out sun devils and he uh he's up for trade rumors though i've been seeing some reports uh across the nfl that they're at least listening to calls on Nikhil harry so i'm not sure what the patriots are going to do in terms of their wide receiver uh unit i like you said they've really struggled i didn't realize how valuable Julian Edelman was because once he went down, it was, it was ugly. They had, they had nothing and really couldn't do anything with their offense. And Bill Belichick has not been good at drafting receivers either. So, I mean, are there any free agent wide receivers you think they might get? Cause that might be the only route they have to improve it. Yeah. It might have to be Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis. They have to make a splash. Cause if you bring back Cam with those same weapons, even like a Hunter Henry at tight end, he's a free agent chargers and franchise tag him. Like, you have to get him some type of weapons. I know they want to be a grinded out, probably run the football 25 to 35 times a game, ask Cam to throw 20 passes a game, you know, not too much, and use Cam's running ability to succeed. 100%. But they have to get him some weapons. It's plain and simple. They have, they were, they didn't have the injuries you guys had as the Eagles, and they still had a worse receiving core, probably. No Eagles talk on this podcast, all right? That's not allowed. We're not allowed to talk about that disaster of a like, uh, I would franchise rather have- right now. I'd rather have Fulgham than I would Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers. It's just plain and simple. And he was like the seventh receiver after everyone being injured. Well, Fulgham had five great games and he didn't do anything else. The other 11, 
But in those five games, he was like as good as, like you said, Myers or Nikhil Harry. Yeah. How about a, how about a little reach? How about a trade for OBJ for the Patriots? How about Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, going to the Patriots? What do you think of that? I I wouldn't hate that because they the OBJ Cam Newton relationship they're really good friends so I could definitely see that and if Cam Newton bought into the Bill Belichick way and he says Bill Belichick's a cool guy I think he did an interview recently it's on a YouTube channel where he was talking about how people how misunderstood Bill Belichick is how cool he is you know he totally adjusts to players and things like that if Cam Newton can sell OBJ on that dream and then they have the assets to trade for OBJ I would totally love that that pairing of Cam Newton and Odell Beckham on the page I think he could really help be their number one, and then maybe try to draft a guy or, like I said, sign a secondary receiver, a Corey Davis, a Curtis Samuel to go along with him. I think that could be a win-win for both for both sides too because you saw how good Baker Mayfield was last year when OBJ was out with the torn ACL. And I'm not saying that an OBJ-type talent doesn't improve your team, but maybe for how the Browns want to run the football with Nick Chubb and how they want to maybe just throw it to Landry and they also have Austin Hooper and a lot of their good tight ends, that OBJ going, they would get a lot of assets in return. But on the other side, the Patriots, like we just mentioned, Bill Belichick is not a good uh, receiver drafter in the uh, NFL draft. He has not done a good job at that at all. And just get rid of the picks, but get for a known quantity in uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I think it could work for both sides. So I'll have to keep an eye on it. I like that you use that. Just get a known guy. Because, Bill, like you said, Bill Belichick does not have a good history of drafting wide receivers. So use those draft picks to get someone who you know is an all-pro bowl, like a pro bowl, all-pro level talent for sure. I'm always a guy that would rather just get the, the known veteran or the known good player, even if it's giving up a – even if it's giving up a, a good draft pick. That's even when we were talking about the NBA a couple of weeks ago in the Sixers. I said, let's go get Kyle Lowry right now, even if Tyrese Maxey could be great down the road. I want the good guy right now who could help you win. And I think Beckham Jr. could do that for the Patriots. Exactly. Let's say the Patriots trade like a 2023 pick. That's like a 18-year-old high school senior right now, two years in college down the road. Give me Odell. Yeah, I'm going to take Odell over the over the 18-year-old who's worried yeah, about He's probably a stud, not going to lie. In Florida or Alabama, Tennessee, some of those good Southern high schools, oh, Texas. Yeah. He's worried about math right now. I'm going to take OBJ, whose only job is to play football. You think? What do you think? He's in pre-calc right now, just taking some classes? He's not. Yeah. Pre-calc, that should be his junior year. He should be in calculus right now. He's calc one? Calc. Uh, that's yeah, true. Calc I took one. that senior year. Calc one. calc one. He's probably killing calc one right now. Absolutely. How about some AP macro? AP macro. Is, you remember is that? Good. Yeah, AP chem maybe. Oh, my goodness. I took one AP class in high school, and it was AP macroeconomics, and it was tough. I'm not going to lie. That was a hard class. Mr. Johnson, I remember him. He was my senior year spring semester, so I was already had committed to ASU, and I struggled in that class. That was a tough class. I said, all right, I'll do the rest of college courses in college. That's enough high school college stuff. Same here. I only got one college credit. That was for like a – It was I took IB, International Baccalaureate. Same yeah. thing, same family, but I took it for um, history. I got three history college credits and I was like, yeah, I'm out. This is too much. So there's probably, if we're being honest, no way the kid who's Alabama bound is probably taking AP classes. Don't waste your time. Go, you're worried about just graduating and getting to the league. Did you come into ASU with college credit? 100% came today with you college credit. Got it. Can't take wow. can't pay all out of school for all these credits. Outrageous. You came into ASU with college credit. Boy, I tried. AP macro, the good old two on the AP exam. And ASU said, nope. You need I a three. Out of five. Hey, it was a it was a rough May day in 2017. Guess I didn't didn't come up large on the field. That's uh, I had to had to back it up in college. That's frustrating. You were probably a little frustrated after that. All the time too in the class, and then 
don't come through on the exam. It's kind of tough. The money too for that. I was like, all right, whatever it was 90 bucks, hundred bucks. Yeah, that, that didn't work. So that high school's kid. Yeah. You, we're going to take Odell, buddy. You worry yeah, about gonna, AP macro. We're going to take Odell. Let's transfer to another transcendental superstar, Steph Curry. They got absolutely shellacked last night by the Clippers, like just blown out of the water. And for the first time in a long time, I saw Steph was like visibly frustrated with the team. Like he was like, come on guys, let's go. Like you can just see, he was like, yo, can we get it to a reasonable number? They were down, I think 18 at the time or 20. And he's like, you could just see in his mind, like, oh, let's get it to 10. Let's get it to 11 to have a shot. He was frustrated. The Warriors organization as a whole, they're the 10th seed in the West right now. So they would be on the back end of a play in something's wrong with that, that Warriors team with whether it be clay being injured overpaying for guys like Draymond Wiggins, some bad contracts, and then even benching James Wiseman and then only put him in the fourth quarter. Like you got to, if you're going to be a bad team, you got to play your number three overall pick, let him rock, let your rookie go to work and figure it out on the court. Well, the first thing on the Wiseman after looking it up, he, he missed a mandatory COVID test. So I kind of understand why Steve Kerr and the Warriors organization wasn't going to play him for that game, especially in this day and age with the pandemic still going on. And you got to set a good example for everyone that follows basketball and just the world. I get that. So him not taking the COVID test, which was mandatory, you have to do it every day, and he didn't do it. Um, I kind of get that. But if they're going to bench him for not for basketball reasons or for just because they want to get a look at someone else, then I agree that's that's not okay. So that's the first point on that. Well, yeah. And the thing is like, I agree. You gotta, you gotta, if you're missing COVID tests, you know, you maybe sit the first half, but the problem is that even before this, he was coming off the bench. He was, even after the game, he said he likes the bench group of Jordan Poole, Nico Mannion and James Wiseman. Like James Wiseman was the number three overall, number two overall pick. He's not a bench player. You got to get him run. He's got to be playing. I wonder if there's things going on in practice in terms of that he's not performing well, or he really is struggling and Steve Kerr seeing something where it doesn't make sense for him to start, even because he's a number three overall pick. You don't know. And I, I got to trust Steve Kerr. I mean, he's a he's a three-time champion. He's he's done great things with the Warriors and the Steph Curry era group that they have, even, even though two of those titles were with Durant, who's not there anymore. So I'm not sure. I mean, overall, I would tend to agree with you that Wiseman should be playing. But I, if he's a young guy that's not going to help him perform and they're right on that bubble – so we talked about how we trust the veterans more than the young guys in football. I know it's a little different in basketball, but maybe they think they uh, a different guy as a big man could help them. The thing is, I don't know what the Warriors are trying to do. Are they trying to compete for a playoff spot and win a championship, or are they trying to develop young guys? Like, they're giving Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, they're giving these guys uh, run, James Wiseman. They're trying to, are they trying to give them run and develop them for the future, or are they trying to build a championship team around Steph Curry? Because it looks like they're doing neither right now. They're right outside the playoffs, but they're not tanking for a high draft pick. So I don't know what they're trying to do, what the direction of the franchise is. I was told by the Warriors and them and Bob Myers and their ownership that they were light years ahead of everybody. If it wasn't for the cap making that. that, yeah, if it wasn't for the cap making that insane jump with the TV money in, having enough random money to get KD all of a sudden, I don't know how light years ahead they were. They now have that horrible Andrew Wiggins contract. They've overpaid for Draymond, who is still a really good defender. And the Warriors are actually one of the best defensive teams in the league. But he's contributing like five to seven points a game on offense. So he's just not giving them enough. Clay's injured. What are they going to do with that? Are they going to flip Wiseman and the Wolves pick? Like, I don't know how light years ahead they actually are if it wasn't for that TV money, giving them the chance to get Kevin Durant. I really do believe that the clay injury in back-to-back years has just completely thrown the whole organization and the whole team kind of into a little bit of disarray in terms of, like you said, what do they want to do? Because when you have an Andrew Wiggins that could be a fourth option 
or a, or a fourth star, that's pretty solid. I would take Andrew Wiggins as a fourth guy. But with Clay out and then really Draymond not scoring anymore and him really having to be the number two scorer with an, with an Ubre or something like that, I, I could see that them not really knowing what to do and a lot of guys playing, trying to play above their heads and they're not able to. Another thing that I wanted to mention is there's a lot of pressure on Steph Curry, I believe, for this season. A lot of a lot of comparisons that are getting made is when Russell Westbrook was with the Oklahoma City Thunder and he kind of carried a team as a point guard, a smaller guy, and carried a team that was not that good to the playoffs uh, in two straight years. And I think that Steph Curry's got to do something this year. I think he's got to make the playoffs. I think they got to be a top eight seed if that's through the play-in. I think there's a lot of pressure on Steph Curry to show that, hey, I can carry team. I'm not saying even win a round, but he's got to make the playoffs. And I believe that he might be feeling the pressure, which is why he's starting to lash out at his team and starting to get a little nervous as we're already uh, mid-March. No, yeah, I I agree and I disagree in some aspects because I think that Good. star players should be able to should be able to drag a team to the playoffs no matter what. Like said, well, some of these like all-time players, basketball is a five-person sport. Obviously, when like Devin Booker's the Suns team, Bradley be on the Wizards, some of those rosters just aren't good enough. And I think Curry should probably be able to drag the Warriors to the, an eight seed or a play in at least. But I don't agree that he has a lot to prove from it. I he said a quote over All-Star Break, which really stuck with me. He said, I don't have anything left to approve, but I still have a lot to achieve. Meaning that I don't owe anything or I don't have anything left to show you guys what I can do. But in my mind, there's still a lot I want to get done. I totally agree with that sentiment and that thought process that there is a lot left for him to like to achieve in his mind. But I want to kind of transition a little bit to something that I saw on Twitter last night that I was obviously aware of, but really it wasn't on the front of my brain, is that he's a free agent after next year, after 2022 season. He hasn't signed a contract extension. Is I'm not I feel like he's a lifetime warrior, but with how much it's changed, he's been so used to so used to and accustomed to winning these past five, six years, the last two years has been nothing but L's he's taken. Could, if it's another bad losing season next year, could he potentially leave? Just, I just want to throw it out there. I think he's a warrior for life, but if it continues to spiral and just get as bad as it is now, could you see him leaving potentially? I would love to disagree with you and get into a debate about Steph Curry leaving, but on off the record podcast, we, uh, we give our honest opinions and I agree with you. I don't see him leaving at all. I think he's a warrior for life. I believe that once Clay comes back for the 21-22 season, they're going to be a playoff team. That that whole team is built on having the two snipers and the two shooters and that's how they run. And I think Steph, I think Steph's smart enough even though I said in the last little bit that we were talking about that he's feeling the pressure to make the playoffs of just him, which I believe I do think he's got to make the playoffs this year. I also think he's smart enough to understand I'm missing one of the best shooters in NBA history, a guy who when he's there gives me so much more freedom to dribble, to drive to the lane cuz right now teams when they play the Warriors, it just makes sure Steph doesn't go off, and I feel really good about winning. Andrew Wiggins, eh. James Wiseman, like you said, barely plays. Draymond's going to pat. He ha- he averages more assists than points, so I'm not worried about that. So I think that uh, excuse me, Steph's going to resign. I think it'll be it might be later than we might expect, but he's mm-hmm. going to resign. And I think once Clay comes back, this team will be okay. I, I agree with you. I think that once Clay comes back, hopefully he comes back to somewhere near 100% of Clay. Yeah, of course, two straight years. That's tough to, you don't would, know what he's going to do. But And like I said, once again, though, what do they do when he comes back? Do you still continue to keep Wiseman and Wiggins? Or do you try to flip the Timberwolves pick and Wiggins for a respectable another player to build around maybe like Curry, Draymond, and Clay and try to give another two to three year run? But it's funny that you said the thing about Draymond and how I've watched a lot of games and I, I primarily Warriors games. I watch them when they're on national television, you know, the TNTs, ESPN, ABC, 
You're not getting like, NBA League Pass and going, you're only – okay, so you're not getting, like, the top – all the I, Warriors games. I stream all the games on, like, you know, obviously, shout out to 720p stream. Legally, right? Yeah. No, no, no. It, those are those are good streams. They have quality streams. And I stream on there. I probably should get League Pass so I can have multiple games going at once. And but we talked about that. Yeah, when the Warriors are playing good teams, they're getting absolutely boat raced. They're getting shellac. They're getting beaten off the court. So my thought process is, what is what is Curry's mindset from that perspective? Like, if Clay comes back and that still happens, does that change his thought process at all to where I should maybe go somewhere I can win right away? What does he just want to, like I said, retire as a Warrior and call it call it quits and just you know retire as a Warrior eventually? Before I answer that, can we talk about your great adjectives to describe the Warriors? Uh getting blown out, boat raced, and shellacked. I didn't know you were going to come up with those. I was a fan of that. I like that. I like those words. They're good words. Honestly, it helps that the boat races are in Tri-Cities, Washington. Yeah, shout out. Every summer in July. But yeah, I like those adjectives. They're, I've been a big fan of them the last couple of days. You've had some good adjectives lately. Boat race and shellacked. I like that. I didn't. I thought you were just going to be like, yeah, they get blown out and all the games are, are not fun to watch. So you went boat raced and shellacked. That is yeah. interesting. But to answer your question, I think that Again, I think Steph's going to stay. I really think that once Clay comes back, he's going to understand what's happening with the team. Do they trade? I could easily see the Warriors actually trading a Wiseman and Wiggins. Maybe they trade both to get a, like a, a real player. So that is available. I have no idea. But I think the Warriors are always looking to play win now. They never, you never know how much longer Steve Kerr and that group is going to have. Like you said, Curry's what thirty two. He's, yeah, he's, he's in his, his yeah. 30, he's going on. He's in his mid early thirties, early thirties. He's in his early thirties, so he's. I mean, he has some time, but he's done a lot. He's played a ten, over 10 years already in the NBA, so it's been a lot. And I think that they need to get a third player with the Steph and Clay. Maybe even get rid of Draymond. I know Draymond kind of runs that ship, and he's the heartbeat, but maybe even trade Draymond if he can in the offseason for something. That would be interesting. A trade a trade of Draymond, I actually I want to see Draymond on the Blazers because they have such a problem at, like, secondary playmakers off the pick and roll, like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not nervous when, you know, Ennis Cantor, Yusuf Nurkic are catching the ball in the short roll, the kick to the open shooter every time. I think Draymond would thrive on the trail, on the trailblazers. Him, Damon, CJ would be awesome, but that's, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about all hypothetical trades, but I would love, love hypotheticals. Best part of the podcast. Hunter, hypotheticals drive the sports media industry right now. Remember when the rumors about Giannis going to the Warriors before he resigned? Those are so cool. I'm not going to lie. I was totally on board for that if he was going to go to the Warriors after uh, left Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. The Warriors thought they were getting Giannis in a trade from, like, I think it was Wiggins, the potential Wiseman pick. That just wasn't enough to get me going about them potentially getting Giannis. They didn't have enough stuff to get it done, in my personal opinion. You get one Kevin Durant one time for th- for three years, and now you think you're getting every top guy in the league. Every time there's a star. Before Kevin Durant, the every Warriors time. were never they were never in the jersey swap conversation with like the Lakers and the Knicks and like the Bulls, those teams. Now stars available, Bradley Beal. Can the Warriors get him? Giannis had the chance. Can the Warriors get him? If every Cap- single player. Like they just think that they're back in the conversation, they're not. But let's move into something that I want to talk about that I know you're personally excited about. I, I grew up on seeing the highlights on ESPN, but the NHL is coming to ESPN starting in the 2021. Let's go. I know I'm jacked about it. Feldy, what are your thoughts? I think this, I thought it was a seven-year deal, and it'll be hockey. It'll be 25 regular season games on ESPN and or ABC, and they're even getting a playoff, early-round playoff series with a conference finals each year. That's That's massive. 
Yeah, absolutely. I am totally pumped and uh, fired up for the NHL to return to ESPN and ABC. I think that is so big for the league. It will be the first time since 2004. So it'll be 17 years of a gap with the hockey being not on the Disney channels of ESPN and ABC. Like you said, each year it'll alternate either a Western Conference or Eastern Conference final. And of that seven years, four of them, the Stanley Cup final is going to be on ABC. So I think this is huge. Like people always mention when I just talk to them about hockey and how they're not into it or don't follow it as much. When you're a sports fan in the morning, at least this is like what I what I am, I love to have Sports Center on in the morning. I love to see the highlights from the game before, especially when I was on the East Coast and I couldn't stay up for the West Coast games. You would wake up in the morning, hey, what happened with the Warriors Blazers games or the Sun, the Suns Kings game? Mm-hmm. So I think having hockey on ESPN, they they show like one highlight every like week now. They never really? show hockey stuff. It was the last goal where the guy went between the legs and then flipped it back around. Who was it on the who was that goal? I'm trying to remember the goal was I I'm, I'll have I, to look that up. I'm not sure yeah. who you're. I know it wasn't the Flyers because they've been stinking it up right now. So. They're not very good. At, they're Bad loss last night to the Caps. Yeah. But um, in general, yeah, I, I'm so happy. The NHL being on ESPN is going to draw so many more like, just average sports fans when they hear about hockey. There's going to be a hockey show weekly on ESPN or ESPN2 that they're going to have. I think that's key. I think just to get more knowledge out into the sports universe and have just the average person here, oh, Sidney Crosby did this last night. Oh, Austin Matthews, the Maple Leafs beat the Flames 5-2. I think that's so big, and I'm so, so happy as a huge hockey fan myself. I think it's big to just get the NHL. And because people always say, obviously, football and basketball are always going to rule in America and baseball people. That's always that old time sport. People are always going to fall for it. And I know hockey's fourth and it makes me sad and talk about it that much. But I think this coming on ESPN with the NHL returning is going to be big and just maybe not even become third in the country, but just to be closer enough with the other three. I'm so happy. The exposure is what's all it's it's what what it's all about is the exposure, just not being like. Like you said, every time when we're when, when I come up to your room to watch a game or we try to watch a game, we're always like, oh, what game's going to be televised twice a week on on the NBC channel? Like, come on, on NBC Sports, I want to be able to just randomly tune to ESPN 1 or ESPN 2 and have a hockey game on. The biggest thing that I became a hockey fan was, even though it wasn't on ESPN at the time growing up, I was able, they, they devoted coverage, they devoted time to hockey. Seeing Barry Melrose break down a, a game from last night and then previewing a game that I knew was going to, even though it was on ESPN that I knew I could watch it, that was big because that's where all the heads are turning is ESPN. And the fact that with the with the improvement of ESPN Plus and the involvement of that, they'll have all the games available on there too. That's huge. And I like I said, I think hockey is going to do nothing but go up. And I saw also that they're trying to get into that um, NBA top shot space with like hockey highlights. And I think that's another huge thing. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even see that. That's very big. Yeah, I think that'll help a lot. Also, I'm reading that, if possible, the current play-by-play uh, voice for the Baltimore Orioles, Gary Thorne, who did play-by-play and was the main guy on ESPN, if they can get him back, even not full-time, but just for a few games, he's one of the best play-by-play announcers for hockey. Shout-out to Doc Emmerich, who just retired from NBC. He's the best, but Gary Thorne's right below him, and he's he's a guy who I think also can help. He was very good at bringing in the average fan. He made you feel like you were right there. I remember listening to games as a young kid and then even just watching highlights of it. I loved his announcing style so i think that's big as well and that's a big big asset to have who is going to be your main play-by-play guy because like i said nbc had doc emmerich and he's one of the he's the he's a goat or one of the goats of all time in broadcasting and in the goat for hockey in my opinion so i think that's a big big factor as well yeah attaching a voice like attaching a voice that you can associate with hockey is huge and i I, like i said that's going to really benefit and 
hockey's back, baby. So, hey, can't wait to watch a game on ESPN. Can't wait to watch a Stanley Cup final on ABC. That'll be so dope. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. And I just, it's just, such, I can't get over how such a smart move it is because when you have like just, again, an average fan, that's who I'm kind of relating it to because that's why, where hockey really needs to draw the diehards like me or someone is always going to be there. I'm, I'm getting you there. I'm trying to get you from, you've improved over the last four years. Of uh, a I've, been, I've been watching playoff hockey. I've been trying to catch 100%. at least 20 to 30 regular season games. Eventually, I'll be trying to watch as many games as possible. Absolutely. But when you just compare, is someone going to watch ESPN or ABC versus NBCSN, which is where for the last 15 years that uh, the NHL was partnered with NBC and Comcast and, and mm -hmm. kind of that whole thing. I just think ESPN is going to be on more. And it's just when people hear hockey, you keep going and going and going and hear it daily. It's going to help big time. It's going to be massive. Let's Can't go wait. to the actual goat. I heard you mentioning goats. Let's move on to the goat that just, they won't go away. They won't die. Oh, Tom no. Brady. He signed an extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a quote-unquote four-year extension, but the last three years are just to avoid the money around. It's really just a one-year extension. He took another pay cut, which Tom Brady does to win rings. That's how he's got somebody on his finger. This is crazy. I, I don't know when he's going to go away, but in 2022 with this extension, he will be the oldest quarterback in the history of the league to start an NFL game at 45 years of age. That is outrageous. Uh, I'm I'm kind of speechless because I I'm not gonna lie I know he just won the Super Bowl I and I knew he was running it back with everyone for one more year in the 2021 season I kind of thought he was gonna retire at 45 I shouldn't have that I guess that was me <laughs> being naive and knowing that Tom Brady being the goat he does his own thing that TB12 method is that's the great I really need to hop on that because that might be one of the greatest methods to keep someone in shape and healthy and everything of all time but yeah I saw the news. He's taken a huge pay cut. He wants to run it back for not now one more year, but at least two more years. Like you say, he's going to play at 45. That's crazy. And it's just unbelievable. It, I really, I'm kind of speechless just because I really didn't think he was going to come back. And this Bucks team, when you look at their division, I think that's another factor too. I think Tom Brady realized that the Panthers, they're unknown at quarterback. They had Bridgewater, but they've been in the rumors for mm -hmm. Matt Ryan. He's getting up there in age, and the Falcons' defense has been horrible. And Drew Brees may or may not retire. Is it going to be? So is it going to be Russell Wilson? Jameis. Is it? Yeah. Is it going to be Jameis? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be? Um, uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Oh, thank you. Guy. Yeah. Is it so? I think he looks at NFC South and he's like, with this team, we could go back to back to back. So that's kind of my thing too with that. He's the ultimate blueprint guy. Like he just has everything schemed out. Like you said, that's what I want to touch on. He sees division as another time where where I can just win this division, but also the NFC in general. I think part of the reason he's going to stay, and I could see him playing to 46, 47, with that only the, only the number one seed gets the advantage. If he thinks his team's good enough and he always gets the one seed, like he did in the AFC, if he sees an opportunity in the NFC, that's a huge advantage. Once again, winning one game and we're at home for to play at, we're playing at home for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. That is massive for him. And I think that's part of the reason he decided to stay. But I also, I like to talk about things that I see on Twitter because that's what a lot of people, the average fan is talking about. They were all talking about, they were pocket watching. You know what that is, Feldies, when, you know, everyone's checking your money, talking about your money. They're like, oh, why is Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson not taking pay cuts? Pat Smart. just actually took a pay cut. But we got to understand, Brady can take pay cuts because his wife is worth $400 million as well. So it's not like he needs generational wealth. He's already secured that. This is all about him adding to his ring collection. 
No, I think that's a great point. We talked about this either last podcast or two podcasts ago that his wife, Giselle, like her being a supermodel and being worth so much money and having all that money where they can live in mansions and all that lifestyle, it's not as important as a factor to make sure that he gets that money for his family and everything. Obviously, he's made millions and has so much with endorsements and everything. So please, don't get me wrong that I'm saying Tom Brady doesn't have enough money, even if he wasn't married to Giselle. But you're right. Having a wife who has so much net worth and is able to they have three kids he has one from his previous marriage and then tom and giselle have two together um it's it's a huge factor and for him to be able to do that and say hey i'm all about going for he put on twitter i'm going for number eight and then maybe he's going to go for number nine i mean i can't even imagine that but yeah it's it's a huge factor and it's a big deal it's it's important yeah like i said you their joint income as a as a as a husband and wife it doesn't matter because, like I said, she's if she's the provider now, then all of a sudden she makes all that money. Tom Brady can be like, oh, I'll take 12 million, 18 million for the year instead of paying me my market value. Let's, for for example, um, Pat Mahomes, like that, he just took a pay cut. But if his significant other was, if she was a millionaire or a billionaire, Pat's like, I'll play for 20 million this season if you need me to take a pay cut. For other people, there it's all about securing their wealth. That's what they're, this is their job. They're trying to get as much money as possible. I think that's something that we got to stop doing as fans. And just as media in general is pocket watching. I hate people and just media members who are like, oh, take less money, do this, do that. No, I'm here to do my job. Pay me what I'm worth. Yeah. Plain and get, out, get out of my personal life. Everyone's different. You can't, 100%. every single person's raised differently how it is. And yeah, it's, you can't, how, their net worth combined. You think that's enough to go to like the Cheesecake Factory three times a day, like every day, Giselle and Tom, the, the amount of, of money? Life. Yeah. If they wanted to, Tom Brady could eat there for the rest of his life. And like I said, don't, don't look into my wallet. Don't worry about what I'm doing over here. I have the ability. Tom has the ability to take a pay cut. Some other guys may have the ability, but they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't be obligated to. Like I said, people who weren't part of like, who didn't do research, everyone knew that um, Pat Mahomes was going to end up taking a pay cut this year. Not a pay cut, yeah. but moving his money around to help the Chiefs. Like people who didn't do research or weren't educated on the situation were talking about it. They were like, oh, why hasn't Pat done this yet? Don't worry about it. Let Pat get his money and worry about worry about your own money at this point. But I love the transition to the Cheesecake Factory, Feldman. Big lunch at the Cheesecake Factory. They haven't gone in like four months. It's going to be outrageous. Looking forward to some, yeah. some pasta. Yeah, a little uh, off-the-record podcast group going to Cheesecake Factory for lunch today. We're, uh, we're pretty excited. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting decision what I'm going to get, what we're going to get off the menu. Obviously, obviously, we're ending with the dessert with a slice of cheesecake. I'm thinking that uh, that banana peanut butter one I got last time. That was outrageous. That was so good. Every once in a while, you got to splurge. Like, we we don't go out all the time and go to these fancy restaurants. Like We are college students. 100%. I freak out when I spend, like, 10 bucks at McDonald's. I'm like, wow, I can't go out to eat for, like, another two, three weeks now. I just spent 10 bucks. But every once in a while, you got to treat yourself. And I'm thinking flatbread. I'm thinking a nice... Nice spinach mushroom flatbread. It's it's on my mind. I can't I can't lie. It's on my mind. What about that meat lovers one we saw on the menu last <laughs> night? With the listen to this audience, this flatbread we looked up at Cheesecake Factory. It was literally it had meatballs, it had bacon, it had um, prosciutto. Oh, oh. What else am I missing? It had ham and it had like onions and like spinach and and a couple other things. It was literally like the meat lovers deluxe flatbread at Cheesecake Factory. It sounded so good when we were talking about it last night. So we'll have to let you know next week on the podcast what we get because this Cheesecake Factory run is going to be big time. Might have to post pictures. Might have to post pictures so everyone can take a look. 100%. We'll post a couple pictures on our, on the off the record uh, Twitter account. They make their food look outrageous. I feel like that's, if I'm going to like spend like $20, $30 on a meal, I want my food to look good as well. I don't know what it is, but like I want it to look nice 
40, 50 bucks on a meal. I want it to look, everything looks nice. When they bring in that little sourdough bread at the start, oh man. Yeah, like you said, it's been, uh, we don't do this often, but it's been a uh, pretty crazy week. Oh, before we hop off, I do want to uh, do want to make this shout out. Uh, like I said, it's been kind of a long, crazy week back home in uh, Philadelphia. I just wanted to give a shout out to my dad who had knee replacement surgery yesterday in his uh, right knee. So dad, thinking about you out here. I know we talked this morning. He, uh, he and my mom are back home from the hospital. So the recovery process starts now. It's, uh, it's going to be a long one, but he's doing, he's doing well. He got out of the surgery, had a long day yesterday, but he's going to start recovering. So dad, just a shout out to you. I love you from out here in Phoenix and mom can't forget about you being a great caregiver, helping out dad. So mom and dad thinking about you. And uh, when you hear the podcast, hopefully this was a nice half hour, 45 minutes just to sit back and listen to it. Yeah. Shout out to Julie Feldman holding it down back home. Moms keep families together. So shout out. Moms are the best. So she's doing a great job with my dad and uh, they're going to get his knee right. And uh, I'll actually be home in a couple of weeks to see him too. So uh, hopefully by then he's uh, on the recovery mend. Hey, that's good energy to end the podcast, Feldy. Thank you for everyone to join us. We will see you next week. This has been Off the Record. I'm Michael Pleasant, joined Mark Feldman. We'll see you later.